for me, 2016 was, was a really wonderful year. Um, I got a great new job. I traveled overseas. Uh, I saved money. I, I got married. Um, everything about it, you know, externally, externally was, was, really, was really wonderful. Um, but, you know, sometimes, I don't know if you've ever experienced this in your life, sometimes no matter how good things are on the outside or even how bad things are on the outside, that, so, that our, our joy doesn't actually come from outside circumstances. I don't know if, if, if you've felt that. Um, so for me, in, to, in 2016, I sort of felt a little bit of discontent. And I'll, I'll speak about that in a moment. Look, this is going to sound extremely arrogant. It's not meant to be. Um, but I've always sort of had talent. And I, I, I don't mean that in a really arrogant way. Uh, uh, please bear with me. It, it sounds really arrogant. But, um, you know, I've always been able to get up on a stage and, and pray or, you know, do an offering message. But I think the thing I've learned more than anything in life recently is that your talent actually is not going to get you that far. Your talent is not going to get you that far. The thing that is going to keep you going as a Christian and bring you success in life is having solid character, is having solid character. And for me, that's been the biggest thing that the Lord has been putting on my heart lately, is that your talent actually doesn't matter, you know, or lack of talent. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're good or you're, or you're bad at things. What actually matters is how hard you work and what you're actually doing to serve God. So I think for me, that, uh, that discontent was that I paid too much attention to my talent or lack of it in certain areas, and I didn't pay enough, enough attention to actually following Jesus and progressing in my walk with Him. Um, you know, when you've been a Christian for a decent period of time, it's very easy for you to get into a routine and to become comfortable. You know, it's very easy to become comfortable, you know, because we know how to say the church things, right? We know how, we know how to do church. When you've been, if you've been in church for a you know, a year or two or three or four, like me, eight or nine, you, you know how to do church. Oh, bless you, brother. You're beautiful. You're looking, oh, you're gorgeous today. You know, you know how to do church really well. You know how to lift your hands really well, you know. But what actually gives you longevity as a Christian is continually in your life making time to seek God and continually making time to, to uh, look for the things of God. You know, thanks, Ron. When you, when you lose focus on building your relationship with God and you focus just on building your life, you actually find yourself in a place where you're not as happy as you should be. You know, sometimes we think that we ha- we, to, to get happiness or to get joy, we have to build our own life. You know, we build, well, I build the life I want. You know, I build a great life. But, but the Christian life doesn't work like that. The Christian life works like this. It works like seeking God and His plan for my life and then actually doing everything I can to fulfill His purposes and plans, not my purposes and plans. In Proverbs 3, verse 6, it says, In everything you do, put God first, and He will direct you and crown your efforts with success. You know, um, at, the, at the end of last year, I posed myself a series of questions, and I, I, I'd like to pose them to you today, not to make you feel guilty or anything, but maybe just to reflect on your year. Did you end 2016 closer to God than where you started? Did you make Jesus the, centra- the centrality of your life, or was he a side note? Was Jesus the centerpiece of your life, or was he something on the side? Did you seek God and his plans for your life, or did you ask God to fit into your own plans? Have you become so familiar with the gospel that it lost its power in your life? Are you focusing an increasing amount of time on the things you are good at, or are you recognizing the one who is good? These are questions I asked myself, and if I was honest with myself, I don't think I could give myself favorable answers in all of these questions. 
The Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything will be added to you. You know, when we seek first the kingdom of God, everything gets added to us. You know, when we seek God, when we spend time in the Word, when we pray, things happen. You know, we don't, we don't just uh, go through the motions of church, but when we seek God, things happen. Circumstances change. Things shift. You know, I heard this great quote the other day. It says, it isn't about perfection, it's about progression. It's not about you being perfect, but for me, anyway, it's about trying to progress on my journey with God. Okay, it's not about God doesn't expect you to be perfect, but He does expect you to keep continually try and, and go on this journey where you're trying to get closer to Him and you're seeking Him out. You know, um, I used to play golf a bit. Stick, stay with me for a second. And, uh, and the biggest, I think I played for about a year. And I, and I got quite good. You know, I, I sort of started and I, I couldn't hit a ball. And anyone who's ever played golf knows it's a very unnatural movement, isn't it, when you move your arm. And it's kind of like when you start off, it's really hard. But anyway, over, over time, I, I got quite good. And I played for about a year and uh, I got down to about a 12 handicap, which is, is all right. And if you don't know what that means, it doesn't matter. Um, but but I, got okay, I got okay at it. But the biggest joy for me when I played golf was not actually, you know, hitting the ball or whatever, it was actually over a period of about a year watching myself actually get better at golf when I applied myself, you know, and when I actually tried to, um, when I committed myself to playing golf, I got better quite quickly, you know, and I, I played with, a, with another one of my friends, but he didn't play as much as me, and I noticed that his progression wasn't as quick as mine was, you know, what am I saying, what am I saying here? I, I think that in 2017, I think the Lord is calling me and perhaps you to a deeper place of intimacy with Him, you know, and it's, it's, it's not just about, you know, being a good person or being a good Christian because there's no such thing, you know, but it's actually trying your best in your life to set up certain things to enable you to improve and to grow closer to God, you know. Um, the amazing thing about God is that He's always close, you know, and when you, when you, when you seek God, Okay, when you seek, when you seek to become, uh, when you seek the character of God, you become closer to Him. You know, I, I think this is the the important thing to know, and this is what has taken me a long t- time to learn, is that um, you you can't make it in your own strength. You know, I've tried to be a Christian in my own strength. I've tried to uh, I've tried to do things in my own strength, but I can't do it. You know, you can't be a Christian in your own strength. You know, you you, you can't be a great. I don't think you can be a great husband in your own strength. You can't be a great great, you know, leader in your own strength. You need God. I need God. I don't know about you, but I need God, you know. Um, and, and feeling bad about yourself and guilt-ridden is not good either. You know, you need the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. So I would encourage you as you enter 2017, or what I'll be doing as I enter 2017, is I'm going to be asking the Holy Spirit to help me, to, to lead me and guide me. And it's not a matter of making a list of things, like a big, long list of things you're bad at and you need to improve. No, it's not like that. It's about asking the Holy Spirit, hey, Holy Spirit, help me to become close to you. Help me to draw close to you, Lord. You know, help me, help me today. You know, and, as, and I believe as you spend more time, I've seen it in my life, as you spend more time in the Word and you ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and, and to guide you, He's going to help you and He's going to bless you. And He's going to set you up for an amazing 2017. You know, I, I always say it, but I seriously believe the best days are ahead of you. The same way I believe the best days are ahead of me, you know. Um, the Bible says, it says, uh, I, I press on, you know, I press on towards, I, I press on, I keep going towards the call of God, you know, um, so, so don't shrink back, 
You know, no matter how bad 2016 has been or how good it's been for you, don't live off that. Don't live off the good. Don't live off the bad. Because 2017 is a new year, and I'm believing that you're going to do great things for God. And as a church, as we join together, okay, anything's possible. So I hope that you, you took something out of, uh, out of what I said today, and uh, uh, I'm believing that 2017 is going to be your, your best year ever. We have an awesome church here, and uh, God bless you. So thanks so much. Wow, that was awesome. I'm feeling encouraged already. Um, so good. Next up, we have uh, Peter Trent, who's uh, a successful businessman, works at Macquarie, and is a father, husband. So why don't you come up, Pete? Awesome. Hi, everyone. Is this on? Yeah. It is? Yeah. Okay. Speak up, is that it? Okay. Hi, uh, look, um, I was, uh, just want to follow on uh, Joe's theme uh, of encouragement, but uh, perhaps um, picking up on the, on the converse, and that's uh, discouragement. And I wanted to share a few thoughts uh, on that. And, you know, 2016, uh, as prior years, presented me with a whole number of challenges professionally, personally, and dealing with moments of challenge and difficulty and discouragement um, actually is very, very uh, pivotal in your life. Um, and it's often the case, you know, we think of discouragement as a bunch of circumstances. Um, and we blame the circumstances or we blame the people in our lives. Um, but it's actually not a bunch of circumstances. When I talk about discouragement, I'm not talking about you know, when the waiter gets your, your order wrong. Uh, we're, we're talking about having a sense of uh, loss or grief or regret uh, or feeling rejection or criticism, things that confront us that actually are roadblocks in our life and how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about life. Um, but discouragement is actually not a bunch of circumstances. If It's a force in your life if you allow it to to reside in your life. The same way that faith and righteousness are forces in our lives, discouragement can be a very, very powerful force on the negative in our lives. And I'd like to, based on things that I've encountered and uh, you know, things I've had to wrestle with over the course of 2016, is given me a clearer picture of how to understand discouragement. And I'd break it down into three things. One is it's a, it's a temptation to give up on yourself and to shrink back from what God is calling you to be and who you can be. The, the second thing it is, it's actually, it's an accusation against God because it's saying in your circumstances, God is irrelevant. doesn't matter. Maybe even God is at fault. Wow. And the third, third thing that discouragement is, it's actually a real pivotal point in your life where it's, it's a crossroads where you can go, backwards or you can go forwards. It's a point of potential blessing of God in your life and character building. And uh, as Joe, Joe was talking about, uh, building your character in your life, it's not your talents or your abilities. God is most concerned about our character more than any other comfort in, in our lives. So those three things, discouragement offers a temptation to give up on ourselves 
it offers us uh, or brings an, an attack against the character of God uh, and makes us want to give up on God or believe that God is irrelevant. But it's also, it's not a bunch of circumstances. It's actually a turning point in our lives where we can turn for the blessing. So look, I just want to take a couple of scriptures and reflect on things that have meant something to me. So I don't know if we can get the um, uh, either the 1 Samuel or the 2 Kings one up, if we can. But anyway, I'll, I'll give you the circuit. Okay, so this is this is King David. So it's a it's a situation that that has come back to me uh, as I've tried to wrestle with circumstances and and difficulties. And here you had David. He's with his bunch of men, guys that have stood by him through thick and thin, while Saul for seven years has tried to kill him. Uh, have lived in the land of the Philistines. Have suffered. Their families have suffered. They've got a situation where they come back to base camp from the land of the Philistines, and all their families, their children, their possessions, every single thing have been kidnapped by Amalekites. So a warring tribe of warriors, fierce, brutal, manslayers, they've all taken everything. And so they all sat down and they just wept. They'd come back already exhausted. They didn't have any strength. They came back, found the greatest tragedy of their lives, that everything they loved has gone and they wept. And the Bible says they, to the point they couldn't weep anymore. And then all these guys who were David's long friends who saved him from Saul are all now talking amongst themselves, let's stone him and kill him. It's his fault. So this is not your neighbor getting upset about the branch being over the fence line. This is actually your best friends that you've loved and been with all wanting to kill you on top of the fact that you've lost your own family. But it says there that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And that is a really pivotal point because at the point where you want to give up, what should David have done in the natural? He should have given up. He should have run away. Um, but he encouraged himself in the Lord. And he did one thing. He asked God, God, what do I do? And that's often when we're discouraged, the very thing that we don't do, isn't it? We don't say, God, what's your opinion in this matter? because we already make it up. We reason through ourselves, the situation is bad, it's this person's fault, it's my fault, it's no good, it's not going to be any better, God is irrelevant, or maybe I need to readjust my opinion of who really God is and what he can do. So everything is starting to go into a black hole. And at that point, we're not even interested in asking God for his opinion, because our emotions have taken over. But David asks God, and God says, go get them. So they went off, they recovered their families, they recovered every single thing, not one thing was missing. But that was a pivotal point for David. So let's get the other scripture up from, from 2 Kings. And this is really, really, it's a statement of, of Elisha. And what happened there was, the Syrians had come, they'd surrounded Israel, um, there was starvation happening to the point where a mother even killed her son and ate, ate him, so cannibalism had set in. The king of Israel become, became enraged, said, this is an act of God, it's God's fault, let's go kill the prophet Elisha. So this, this conversation is happening at Elisha's doorstep of his house, and the king with a messenger has come to kill him, because said, it's all your fault, it's God's fault. Now, Elisha says, guys, what are you talking about? Tomorrow, a seer of flour will go for a shekel. 
So a CFL is about, I looked it up, it's about 14, 12 to 14 dry litres, or about five or six kilos, and it shekels a few dollars in today's currency. So previously, when you starved, everything is, even a morsel is worth a fortune. They were selling bird droppings for food in Israel. The situation was so bad. And the guy that was with the king said, look, even if the window of heaven's open, that can't happen. It's impossible, all right? And Elisha then said to him, well, actually, it'll happen. You'll see it, but you're not going to partake of it. And in the end, he was trampled uh, by, uh, by the mob by accident. But what happened was God made the Syrians all hear an army approaching, so they left. They left all the warehouses of produce. They left all their farm animals. They left their horses. They left their clothes. They left their gold. And it all became Israel's. But there's a turning point there where the king of Israel, who was not a follower of God, believed it was God's fault. He didn't ask God, God, what's your opinion? There was a point of utter discouragement and despair. Nobody bothered to say, God, what is your view? But in fact, God's view was, it's all okay. Tomorrow you'll have a time of great blessing. And for us, I go back to our three points. You know, at times when I've wanted to give up, whether it's in career or in relationships or uh, just even thinking about yourself and God's plan for your life, often you, you encounter discouragements, which are accusations in your mind, and you want to give up. We all like that. I don't know, if it's, is it only me? Or does anyone else ever feel like, I can't really go on? And that's the point where you need to say, discouragement isn't out there. Discouragement is facing me now and it's saying, you should give up on yourself. Don't worry about God. God is irrelevant. And whatever you do, don't ask God for his opinion. What I've learned in 2017, I've often, through this year, I thought to myself, that statement, a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel. I thought I should put that up on my wall. And it means nothing to anybody, but it means everything to me. Because it says, God changes everything. We bring in and say, but God. And if you bring in the but God into your circumstances, it's completely transformative. God bless you. Wow, so much wisdom. Peter and Kathy are like two of the wisest people I know. <laughs> so good. Um, so next, to um, finish up our tag team preachers, we've got the wonderful Rosh. Rosh and his wife, Nosh. They have three of the cutest kids I know. Seriously, look at them. They're like adorable. There's one there. <laughs> So great. Well, um, Rush is going to bring us the word. Thank you, everyone. Um, I, I distinctly warned Pastor Ward. I said, do not put me last. Uh, because he is a wise man, and I don't want to go after him. And he's a very entertaining preacher. So um, anyway, um, here I am. I'm last. Uh, so bear with me if I don't uh, uh, fill the, the big shoes that these guys have left. Uh, my name's Rosh Rashan. Most of you here know me, but there are a few new faces, so welcome to church. Um, please disregard the fact that we're all wearing shorts. Um, we do actually present ourselves well in front of God, but maybe not today. Um, 
I am a husband. Uh, I've got a very beautiful wife at the back uh, working hard with our kids, as usual. And um, I'm a father of three beautiful uh, kids. But uh, more to that, I also run for C3. I, I run the uh, business uh, uh, connect group. So uh, four men, uh, a bunch of us catch up uh, once a month because I'm very passionate about how God works in the marketplace. And so that's the role I've taken here. Um, so I love leadership in that capacity. Uh, I love being a leader at work. I work for Westpac. Um, and I love being a leader there because it gives me an opportunity to introduce others to Christ. Uh, people have to kind of listen to the boss uh, from time to time, so I can use that to, to my advantage. Um, but, um, yeah, I just wanted to ask everyone, how's everyone's uh, new year? Everyone's having a great new year. I'm having a brilliant new year. We're 15 days in. Is everyone still holding to their New Year's resolutions? 15 days. It's usually about the breaking point. Um, you're still there, good, good. Um, mine are still holding because I didn't actually set any. Um, but when Pastor Ward asked me to, to think about uh, my reflections over the last few years and, and what I might take into 17, um, I thought about patience and resilience. Um, and I believe myself I've learned that very much the hard way um, in the last couple of years. And it's not my three children um, under the age of four. But, um, yeah, so... I really wanted to bring that, that message uh, to you guys today. Um, the catchphrase, um, I like your one, but God. I'm going to use that one. So this is too hard, but I wonder what God has to say about that. Uh, my one that I want to take forward, I, I picked it up from uh, a Bible a reading plan, was living life in the faith lane and not in the fast lane. Um, and therein lies the patience uh, issue. I'm not a very patient person myself. Uh, I love things when they come easily. I was thinking about your golf analogy. I, I absolutely love it when things work well for me. When I improve well, I become addicted to it because it's quite straightforward. Um, I love it. Uh, rock climbing was mine, basketball, um, certainly the early years in my career. Uh, but as, as life throws you the hard knocks or things become difficult, my question is uh, to you and, and certainly to, to myself is, did you stick with it? Uh, were you resilient? Uh, did you just continue to work through it? Did you really lean and press into God or did you rely on your own uh, strength, let that fail on you and then just get down on yourself? And I think the last couple of years I've, I've probably lived a bit of a double life uh, when it comes to, uh, to that. Uh, on the one hand, things seem relatively, uh, you know, going successfully at work. I've got three beautiful children and a wonderful family. Um, I've got a wonderful bunch of friends inside this church and, and out, and I can't complain. So, you know, I should be fully motivated for life. Uh, but on the other hand, and probably more quietly, uh, when you're lying in bed, uh, alone in the shower and, and really reflecting on things, I must say I, I got myself into a really bad pattern, a uh, very bad pattern about uh, not believing in myself and doubting myself because the things that I uh, aimed to do in my own strength, that those things slowly started to chip away. And it was really uh, brought to life at work. So before I go any further, I just wanted to raise a scripture. This is, a, this is my favorite scripture. I heard it so many years ago, probably on the cusp of becoming a Christian. Um, and it's just something that stuck with me. So it's uh, from uh, Romans chapter 5. I didn't have the foresight to get it up on the screen, so 
bear with me. And it's, this is the amplified version. Um, so it's just uh, uh, verses 1 through 4. I'll just read that out to you, so bear with me. <clears throat> Therefore, since we have been justified, that is, acquitted of sin, declared blameless before God, uh, so justified by faith, let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God and the joy of reconciliation with Him through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we also have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. That just sounds awesome to me. Um, let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God. And not only this, but with joy, let us exult in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships, knowing that hardship, which is distress, pressure, trouble, hardship produces patient endurance, and endurance, proven character, spiritual maturity, and proven character, hope, and confident assurance of eternal salvation. So Paul's speaking to the Romans here, and I absolutely love this. He's saying, with faith, you can enjoy the peace of God. And that's such a wonderful space to be when you're just at peace and when you've got God's peace in your life. It's wonderful. But on the flip side, it's not just the, that enjoying that faith lane. The faith lane is not supposed to be easy. It's not, it's not the fast lane. It's the faith lane. It comes with challenges. Life comes with challenges. God is not challenging you. Life comes with challenges. God is asking you, what are you doing during challenges, right? So rejoice, rejoice in the challenges, trials, and tribulations, because that's where God's patience and His wisdom really starts to infiltrate into your heart. And I've, I felt that. So my story uh, of the last couple of years, um, I, I took a job in business banking. I had zero experience in business banking. Um, and I remember I, I met an executive the f f five days into my new role, and I was scared. I was scared. I was scared pantsless. <laughs> but I was scared. And um, I, I had this, this meeting with, with Phil. I'll, I won't tell you his surname, but Phil sat me down. He looked me in the eyes, and he didn't say anything to me for about five minutes. And in my panic, I just started to blabber, blabber about myself, all the things I'd achieved, and he did not care. And I realized I was really starting to struggle here. He slowly stood up, walked over to a trash can, picked up a wad of documents, walked back over to me and slammed it in front of me. And he goes, this is what you're getting yourself into. You have no idea. And that's how I started my new role. Um, other things happened in that role. First couple of weeks, uh, I picked up this new team. And they were running a, a book on how old I was. So I'd, I'd walk into a meeting. And the first question that went up in, in, in amongst this new team it was not, you know, what's your background and so forth. It was, how old are you? And so that was very discouraging. Um, I, I, one of the guys that was in my new team was someone that was from many, many years ago, was somebody that was quite senior, uh, one of my senior stakeholders. This guy's got, he's got a very large ego. He, he's, he's missed the right. There's nothing you can teach him. And I ended up with him in my team and I was, I was quite fearful. And everything that I'd achieved in my own strength slowly 
I started to realize I'm going to really struggle here. And I really, really struggled um, in this role. Um, but I pressed into God. It wasn't always easy. I, I was constantly pushed out and wishing I was in the fast lane. God kept sliding me back into the faith lane. I didn't like it. It was uh, two years of grinding away at this, this kind of thing. Um, but I then reflect back. What did the faith lane produce? I worked the hardest in these couple of years. I achieved the most. I think I performed the best. But it, it didn't actually manifest into the traditional earthly things like a big pay, a paycheck or anything or a pat on the back by my boss. It, it didn't manifest in those ways. Instead, what manifested was that each time I prayed and pressed into God, he just kept repeating these words of resilience, resilience, because I'm preparing you for something harder, right? So this is not hard. Work through it. I'm preparing you for something harder. And that is something with that and this scripture that's really stuck with me. What were the fruits? Um, if, it wasn't, if it wasn't a big paycheck to, to take home to my family, what was it? What were the fruits? And I reflect back, uh, Lawrence, a guy in my team, um, you know, as a leader, I got to, to testify so much about how great God is at work, and I was fearless about that. Um, he, a guy on my team, under all of the pressure, he had a, a mental breakdown. He completely broke down. Uh, we lost him for two weeks. Uh, he ended up on fairly serious drugs to try and get him out of it. And I sat down with him, and I shared with him this scripture. Um, he seemed to recover. I don't know what it was. But many, many years later, two years later, and very recently, when he saw me going through really stressful periods, he'd say, listen, mate, can we go for a beer? I just want to talk to you about something. I said, yeah, absolutely. Take him out for a beer. And he sat me down and replayed the scripture back to me. And he said, this has changed my life. I've, I've found God, and I think you need this right now. And it's, it's little fruits like that that kept, kept falling off the tree. Other examples, um, Philip, the guy, the trash can guy, he, uh, he sent a, a, an email out to all of my senior stakeholders and my leader saying, thank you for putting Rosh into this role because he has shown a tremendous amount of resilience. And that word resilience came back. The same words that God was speaking to me came back through Philip, the trash can guy. And that really, really softened my heart. I was so happy. Um, another example, the guy that knew it all. Uh, the guy I couldn't teach anything to. I was fearful every single one-on-one -on -one I had with this guy. What am I going to teach him? The same thing. Last day in, my, in, in that last role as I, as I embarked into a new, he sat down with me and he said, Rosh, I just want to say... You constantly spoke about your faith and the Bible and how the Bible is the best leadership manual um, on the planet. And something really sunk, sunk into me. And as a result, I've turned my heart to Christ, and I just wanted you to know I'm going to church now. And that was the only thing I could, I could teach this guy. But I couldn't teach him about anything about work or professionalism or anything like that. This is what I could teach, and, and that's the fruits of the faith lane. It, it would never have come through the fast lane. Uh, so church, today I just ask uh, each and every one of you, as I look into 2017 and ask all of you the same, let's not, let's not hope and pray for the fast lane. Let's, it's, it doesn't exist. There's no such thing. It only leads to death and destruction. So my, my ask of you, and certainly for me, 
is stay in the faith lane. It takes uh, and, and enjoy that peace, that peace that, uh, that Paul spoke of to the Romans. And it's very straightforward. There's two things you need to do. Number one, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Very simple. Just accept it. That's a, a moment in time and just and accept that and believe it. Number two, exercise faith every day. Every morning, every day, exercise faith. Every time you hit a trial or tribulation, exercise faith and remind yourself, stay in that faith lane. Thank you.